Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Annapolis. You know, that young person who graduated college this past spring and is now getting ready to go get that big job? Well, here, guess what? Get over to Leon Tailoring and check out their career services division. They've got lots of good professional attire, reasonably priced for both your young men and young women who are getting off into that world of work. Hey, they graduated, they did all the interviews, now they got the big job coming up, so make sure they look the part. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. That's Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, if the name William Doyle Ruckelhaus doesn't sound familiar, actually it should. He was an American attorney, government official, and actually involved in the Watergate situation. Also the uncle of our guest in studio, former state senator and good friend of the program, John Ruckelhaus. So John, thank you very much for being with us. Abdul, thank you very much to get time with you and to share with the listeners some some really good American history. Uh, yes, because it was interesting because I remember I was watching a, a documentary on Birch Buy on a uh, uh, PBS, and I saw William Ruckelhaus. I was like, I wonder if he's related to John because there isn't that many Ruckelhauses floating around here. And like, and I called up like, yes, he was your uncle. That's exactly right. Yeah, that I have not seen that piece, but we got to know the buys really well, both before the campaign, during the campaign, and, and a lot better after the campaign. But yeah, that I was involved in that campaign in 1968. So what was that like? Well, that was interesting. You could probably call me the, the first time of negative advertising because here's what happened. We would meet at the old Strickland Lincoln Mercury, which is about 52nd and Keystone Avenue. Now it's, a, I think, a used car lot. But at the day, it was the uh, car dealer in the state, state of Indiana. And my uncle had married Jill Strickland and Strickland Lincoln Mercury. And so we met there and we would fan out around the state. So my job was to go with Bill. And back then, this is before cable. This is before television, negative ads before direct mail pieces, et cetera. You literally went around to the courthouse square at all the county seats around the state of Indiana. And that's what I did. I was literally at my Uncle Bill's knee and would go around, listen to the speeches, and people would gather. So my job was to go around and gather up Birch Buy literature, and somehow it found its way into the trash. But <laughs> that I should have done that then, and nor would I do it today. Um, so uh, he served one term in the Indiana House uh, as majority leader as a freshman. How did he... How'd you manage to do that? Because normally freshmen don't become majority leaders. Yeah, this is interesting. So there's some analogy to what's going on today. So this was obviously back when Lyndon Johnson had just won re-election in 1964 as a Democrat landslide. So it was the midterm elections after the LBJ landslide. And it was a landslide for Republicans in the state of Indiana. So there was 60, north of 60 House Republicans. And my uncle was elected majority leader on the very first ballot as a freshman. And you're right. I don't think that's ever happened prior. And I don't think it's ever happened since in the state of Indiana. So how did he end up getting the job? Or did he ever ever tell you guys the story as to how he got the job? He or? did. He obviously had the moxie. He had the intelligence. Uh, a typical Ruckelhaus, he did not have the looks. So <laughs> we, we, let's cut right there. That did not happen. But he was also, he had the eye of then Marion County Republican Chairman L. Keith Bulin. Bulin was the godfather of Indiana Republican politics and really over around the nation. And also one of the architects of Unigov. That's exact. And Richard Luger, I might add. So that's back when we had Abdul very strong political parties, and it was not uncommon. He tabbed Richard Luger. He created Richard Luger, if you will, although Luger didn't need much to create once he got going, and he tabbed my uncle because he saw real talent. So literally, L. Keith Bulin helped make that happen. Our guest in the program today is our good friend John Ruckelshaus, former state senator. Talk about his uncle, William Ruckelhaus, uh, who was actually very famous uh, uh, in the Senate race against Birch Bay, and also uh, director of the FBI under Richard Nixon. Um, so uh, tell me about a little bit more about that, that Senate race. Uh, 
did you, I'm assuming you guys did not win. We did not. It was a very contested, and remember what was going on, the Vietnam War was omnipresent at that point. It was all about Richard Nixon running on law and order, fiscal responsibility, but ending the war in Vietnam. Lyndon Johnson had chosen not to run for re-election. So Bill came as close as anybody until Dan Quayle beat Birch Bayh uh, in 1980. So Bill came within five points. He lost the election. And literally within a month uh, of that, he received a phone call from Richard Nixon. He got to know Richard Nixon while on the campaign trail because Indiana back then was a swing state and the Republicans needed it and they got it for Richard Nixon to win. So Bill then became the first EPA director, Environmental Protection Agency. And I remember talking to Bill a length about that because it was a different time, even though the environment is still something that's very in front of us right now. People have very passionate issues about then, about the environment, but it's somewhat invisible, if you will. Bill talked about back then, literally the rivers were on fire. I believe it was the river outside of Cleveland because yeah, of we all... The, we remember the story about the, the Casiago River catching fire. That's exactly right. And then, of course, all the other pollutants, that smog in the, in the major metropolitan areas. So there was a real call to action. Richard Nixon knew it and created the, the Environmental Protection Agency and tabbed my uncle to be the first director of what he was beginning in 1969. Now, I know it's probably surprised some folks that, that they would think that a Republican actually created the EPA. That's exactly <laughs> right. Who would have thunk it? And also affirmative action, too, by the way, if I'm just throwing, throwing that out there. But it's a little different Republican Party Day than it was uh, before. Uh, uh, now, also, uh, in addition to running the EPA, your uncle also became director of the FBI. Yeah, that was a very interesting time. So J. Edgar Hoover had passed away, and there was another gentleman, I, and I apologize not remembering his name, but he was an interim director for about three months. And then the president asked my uncle, uh, Bill Ruckelhaus, to be director of the FBI. And that was the coolest time period because I would go to Washington and I was able to shoot guns in the basement of the FBI building. And I don't know what age I was then, and maybe I wasn't legal to do it at that point, Abdul, but when you're standing with a whole cadre of FBI agents, the let you do whatever you want under their supervision. But I really loved that, and he loved that job. Did it for about six months. Now, what was he like as FBI director? Because we all heard the, the J. Edgar Hoover stories about, you know, communists under every rock. Martin Luther King was, a, you know, these, these communist agitators, you know, wearing a dress and not ignoring the mob the whole nine yards. Yeah, that's an interesting time period because, yes, that was going on. But each director tries to put their signature. And this was interesting because this carried forward later in Bill's life. Bill was really transfixed on mafia and organized crime. And the reason why I say he carried that on into his later life, because post-government, he became the CEO of BFI, Browning Ferris Incorporated. And Bill stamped out organized crime in New York City because of the trash haulers. The trash haulers, well, that was the genesis, and that's where they laundered their money. So Bill used that as an opportunity to really take a stand against organized crime in America during his tenure as FBI director. Wow. John Ruckelshaus with us. John Ruckelshaus, a former state senator, talking about his uncle, William Ruckelshaus, uh, who was actually very famous back in the 1960s, a former head of the EPA, ran against Birch Bayh, and director uh, of the FBI under Richard Nixon. Uh, now, uh, let's talk about Watergate. How did your uncle fit into the, the Watergate situation picture? So there was a lot of movement and changes within the Nixon administration as he ended up his first term and was entering his second term. That's pretty typical of administrations. So Elliot Richardson was then U.S. Attorney General, and the president nominated and Elliot Richardson sought out my uncle to be Assistant Attorney General. 
So then fast forward when all the hullabaloo was going on. When you say on, assistant attorney general, you're not talking about uh, a regular U.S. attorney. You're talking about the assistant attorney general. The assistant attorney general. So he was the number two law enforcement agent in the United States at the time. So what was going on is Watergate was unraveling, if you will, because of all the cover-ups. My uncle knew and was monitoring everything, and, and he actually knew who Deep Throat was way before it was going on. So what was happening was, during the whole process of the Saturday Night Massacre, is that uh, Elliot, or, uh, I'm trying to, Archibald Cox was a special prosecutor that uh, had unraveled in the tapes, and we know all the history that was going on there. And... The president had sent over Robert Bork on a Saturday afternoon to ask because the president wanted Robert or, or Elliot or um, oh, uh, uh, Bork, or not Bork, I'm sorry, the uh, uh, Archibald Cox to resign. Sorry about that, Abdul. Too many names dancing around <laughs> here. Wanted Archibald Cox to resign. So he sent Robert Bork, who then famously went on to be a Supreme Court nominee, but not selected or confirmed, to go over to tell Elliot Richardson this on a Saturday afternoon in Washington Department of Justice. And Elliot Richardson said, no, I'm not going to do that. And Robert Bork said, well, I have orders from the president that you are dismissed, which immediately would then turn to my uncle to be attorney general. Well, they knew this was coming. They being my uncle and Elliot Richardson knew this was coming. So they had rehearsed this. So my uncle took a sheet of paper, slid it across the table after Robert Bork had asked my uncle to then fire Archibald Cox. My uncle said, no, and here's my letter of resignation. Now, so how'd they know it was coming? Well, in Washington, there are no, no secrets. secrets. <laughs> just, just like the Capitol building, if you do it right. <laughs> right. Um, no, go ahead. Oh, so at any rate, so it was really interesting. One of the one of the fun facts of all this, and this all happened on literally a late Saturday afternoon. So the news story broke on a Saturday night, and I was playing CYO football at the time, and I went home, and my dad was on the phone with my uncle, and he was talking to my uncle. This is before cell phones. This is before even party lines, if you will. And my dad told me to pick up the other line so I could listen to my dad and Uncle Bill talk, Bill Ruckelhaus talk. And here I am in my football jersey, all muddy and everything, and and I'm listening listening to this and we could see in the corner there was a television live shot of a brand new cub reporter for cbs and uh, he was talking about outside of my uncle's house and he was saying that bill ruckelhouse was fired tonight and bill just got all mad and said oh see these guys always get it wrong that was dan rather doing his first live feed on the nation wow our guest on the program today is our good friend John Ruckel's house, uh, John, the former state senator, and actually the nephew of William Ruckel's house, uh, who was uh, very influential in the Watergate deal. Uh, was part of, also he was uh, number two at the Justice Department when uh, Rich Nixon did the Saturday Night Massacre uh, and sort of fired Archibald Cox uh, and also uh, uh, Bill Ruckel's house. He resigned and stepped down as well. Uh, what do you remember uh, going through that 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 period? Just sort of watching that whole Watergate thing unravel. Uh, and particularly, did your uncle have any sort of you know, sort of thoughts or, or sort of commentary as, as as America was sort of glued to the television at the time. He did. And one of the greatest things that we did, Abdul, uh, he passed away three years ago coming up this November. So about five years ago, I took my entire family out to Seattle, Washington, where he lived. And literally for a week, we give him a bowl of ice cream and, and he'd talk about these stories for about two or three hours a day and tell us all the intricacies of all the players that we know. And I remember asking him that very same question. What did he think about that? with Watergate, with all the turmoil that was going on. And Bill was very succinct when he said, democracy prevailed, the people survived, and the people prevailed. He was very confident about that, that even though no matter what we're going through as a country at the time, we'll get through it and democracy will prevail. So 
I'm, 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 like I said, I always find this, this period in our nation's history very interesting, particularly the, the, the sort of the, the what did the president know and when did the president know it. Uh, sort of the, one of the famous lines from the whole Watergate thing. Uh, and I also think it's interesting he said he knew who Deep Road was before anybody else knew. How? He just knew. <laughs> and he didn't tell us until it came out publicly, because one of the things that Bill was very good about was confidentiality. He was extremely good about that, extremely competent attorney and a public servant and a chief executive and is a great uncle. So here's my question. If Deep Throat is leaking things to Woodward and Bernstein um, and the press is like trying to figure out, OK, who's who's linking? We put a tape system in. Did, did, did your uncle ever feel like a need to tell the president or did he just say, hey, Deep Throat, I know you're doing it. Just keep doing what you're doing or I think at that point he knew that the president was in trouble. He knew that Demi- he knew he had a, he had to let it play out. So let me give you an example of what uh, my uncle talked about what he thought about Richard Nixon. So let's go back to when Nixon was president early on in his career my uncle was at the EPA. So he went over this must have been about 1969-1970 towards the end of the first uh, term. Remember he ran on the basis that he was going to end the war in Vietnam, but he had just ordered a massive bombing on Hanoi to try to escalate things, correct? So as to maybe end the war before the election. So there's a lot of pressure on Richard Nixon. Nixon was a man of great intelligence, a great vision, but he was also a very paranoid, uh, very insecure individual. So my uncle went over to talk about pressing environmental issues. And my uncle said that Nixon just went off and he knew he was going to get hammered that night because we only had three national network news stories and and reporters. And he knew that Dan Rather that night and Walter Cronkite were all going to give him a hard time on the national news. And Bill never got a chance to even talk to him about uh, the issues of the environment. So he knew that Nixon had some great fallacies and that they weren't good for the country long term. So he decided, let let it play out. No, it's interesting because I remember in the the movie Nixon, uh, the uh, Oliver Stone film. Uh, I think it was either it was near the end of when Watergate, everything is sort of collapsing around the president. I remember uh, Paul Savino's character as Henry Kissinger said, if someone had just given the president a hug, we wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, he was really a, a sort of an isolationist as an individual. He didn't have a lot of close friends uh, like Reagan did, who was just jovial and, and very comfortable. Barack Obama was the same in, in company of a lot of others. Nixon was very much an, an individualist and very insecure. Uh, what, did your, what was your uncle's thoughts uh, when the president actually resigned in 1974, that well, day in August? good question. He, he Again, he felt that democracy was served. And, and frankly, he was thinking about the future because there were many individuals at that point that were asking him to think about running for president in 1976. And if I may, I'll kind of tell that story that Gerald Ford obviously won the primary in 1976, and he had tabbed my uncle to be his vice presidential running mate in 1976. We were all ready to go. We were doing uh, interviews in our living room with all the national news organizations uh, for background pieces. And we were going off to Kansas City and literally got the call the day before that the Reagan forces had decided to stop because my Aunt Jill Ruckelhaus had been very active in the women's ERA movement at the time. And they that just didn't fly with that wing of the Republican Party. So my uncle was not picked, literally at the last second, but he was Gerald Ford's first pick to be vice president, and it was Robert Dole that was a compromise. Wow. I've got just a few minutes left here. Uh, what did your uncle do after uh, Watergate, after 1976? So what he did then, he joined a law firm, Beverage and Diamond, actually founded a law firm in Washington, D.C. Beverage and Diamond was there for several years until Ronald Reagan tapped him again 
uh, to be head of the Environmental Protection Agency. So in the first term of Ronald Reagan, uh, the first EPA director that Reagan had picked had sort of uh, flamed out and, and he tapped Bill. And then Bill went on to a series of corporate boards as well as, again, becoming chairman of the uh, chairman and CEO of uh, BFI, Browning Ferris Incorporated, and then uh, retired in the Seattle area as a venture capitalist. And he also became, as appointed by President Obama, the salmon man. <laughs> uh, the salmon man, if you know anything about out west, the salmon potentially is uh, an endangered species or has issues as a fish habita- habitat. And so Bill led a charge to uh, do that. And he also created a school of governance at uh, uh, in Seattle at George Washington University, and we're, we were very close until he passed. Um, obviously, uh, politics has run through your your family. Your your uncle, your dad served in legislature. Yourself, what lessons did you learn about you know politics from your uncle and your father, for that matter? Be a statesman. Number one, uh, the issues that are before us are so complex and it's so easy to fall into a foxhole and just be ideologically pure and run it up the flagpole and cater to a narrow group. And that's not what America is. America is a very diverse, very diverse land. But be a statesman. Try to rise above. Look at all sides. Listen. Be judicious. And again, let democracy prevail. What would Uncle Bill say about today's Republican Party? You know, Uncle Bill, he's probably seen this movie before, again, in the 1980s. I'm reading a great book right now, Reagan Land, that talks about the period between 1976, which Bill was very much a part of, uh, which more of the uh, what I call the social conservatives within the party were having uh, a major run. And and they've all been and, and the left, if you will, the Democrats, they've got the same thing, more obviously issues on the left. And that's where politics is today. So, again, I would say he'd be doing what I've made a career out of is, is bringing people together. All right. Well, our guest on the program today has been former state senator uh, John Ruckelshaus. Talk about his uncle, William Ruckelshaus, uh, who ran against Birch Bayh back in 1968, was the head of the EPA under Richard Nixon, also uh, the deputy attorney general uh, during the Watergate scandal. So, John, my friend, as always, thank you very much. We appreciate the stories about your uncle. Thank you for having me, Abdul. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.